Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys today. Um, just to introduce myself just a little bit, I've been a pastor in our denomination, which is the PCA, for 37 years. Um, went to seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, and while we were there, our daughter was born. Um, and uh, first church was just outside of Jackson, uh, Mississippi. And then after that, went to be a church planter in uh, Alabama. And uh, But God's grace, it grew. We were able to build a couple times. And um, we were there for 12 years, then went on to church revitalization in Mississippi. And then again, finally, to church revitalization in, in Georgia. And uh, while we were in Georgia... Um, something really special happened. <clears throat> Our grandchildren were born, and uh, that's them, Dean and Georgia, Georgia and Dean. And, uh, you know, as some of you will know, there are two things that can really uh, change everything. One is the gospel, and the other is grandchildren. And so we were there. We decided when I retire, we would go and, and be near them, and that's why we're here right now. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys this morning, and uh, <clears throat> the, um, the message this morning is going to be from Colossians 4, again, it's in the study. Um, it's part of the disciple-making plan. Oh yeah, would you, the next slide is our daughter Jillian and me, a couple years back, uh, quite a few years back, by the way. Uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's us, and we love that picture. Um, so the, uh, we're going to talk about um, evangelism, and that's part of the, in the study, in the beginning, pages four and five, it talks about the, the mission of the church is really disciple-making, and the third chair or third step is to fish for men. So we're going to be talking about that today in uh, the passage, and if you have your Bible or your device, turn with me on your uh, page or screen to Colossians chapter 4, and um, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. And just to remind you, Paul, who wrote these words, wrote them from jail. He wrote Galatians, Ephesians, uh, not Galatians, I'm sorry, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and also Philemon from there. So this is what has been called a prison epistle. Um, and so he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open to us a door for the word so that we may... Speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, in order that I may speak and make it clear in the way I ought to speak. You conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be seasoned with grace, um, uh, be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you ought to respond to each person. Uh, can we pray together? <clears throat> Father, we thank you that um, your word is truth, that we can trust what you say. Um, there's so many things we can't trust in this life. 
Um, we can't trust uh, what we hear a lot of times, a lot of things even we read, but we can trust your word. We thank you for that, and we pray that by your spirit you would lead us this morning, lead our hearts and minds, and uh, that we would see you, and we would see more clearly uh, uh, your plan for our lives and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is about fishing for men, and obviously this is what the passage is talking about. Uh, we see, he says, that God will open uh, up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. And then he goes on to talk about them. He says, you conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be seasoned with grace, as it were, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And so the, the, the title of the sermon is a winning game plan, and it's really a winning game plan for evangelism. And the point is, the winning game plan for in evangelism is ask. And I put the dots there to let us know it's an acrostic, A-S-K, Ask, seek, and knock. You remember that, right? From Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And that really lays out a great uh, plan for evangelism and what we can do about that. But before we talk about that, the how of evangelism... I want to bring up the point that I know this can be a, an uncomfortable subject in some ways, right? I mean, there's some uncomfortable subjects out there that we talk about. We talk about uh, tithing can sometimes be uncomfortable, and we talk about self-discipline, which can be uncomfortable, and we talk about evangelism. And I just want you to know that I am someone that is, this has not always been easy for me. I am by nature an introvert. Um, my idea of vacation is a chair on the beach with a book, okay? That's me. I'm not the kind of person that uh, I want to be all out and everywhere. I am just, I am just that kind of a, a guy. I love to read books. I love to uh, be kind of quiet. So I am not a candidate that you would normally think of that, oh, well, this guy's going to do, you know, evangelism. And just, just to give you an example, when I was in college... Um, University of Florida, I um, uh, got involved in a campus ministry there called Crew. We used to call it Campus Crusade. And uh, <clears throat> this guy was discipling me, and uh, he, <clears throat> he said, you know, you need to share your faith. Well, I was, I was afraid he would say that. <laughs> and so I, I said, well, how do I do it? And he he said, well, there's a little booklet. And they, they have a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. It's kind of like the Do You Know booklet, where you can just kind of read through it with someone. And so it makes it kind of easy to do. And uh, I said, well, who do I share this with? And, you know, and he said, well, just pray that God will kind of show you who you should share it with. And then pray for that guy and then take an opportunity to do it. Well, I wasn't convinced. I thought... I'm going to pray and no one's going to come to mind. I started, okay, Lord, is there anybody that I can share this with? And almost immediately someone came to mind. 
It was a guy on the dorm floor that he had come in January. Now, you know how it is if you've been in a dorm. You're there in the beginning of the school year, and everyone's new, and you get to know each other, and you get friends and everything. Well, he was kind of the uh, fifth wheel, and uh, kind of kept to himself. And, I, you know, it kind of made sense to me. You know, talk to this guy. So kept looking for opportunities, and I think there were probably dozens of them that I just said, oh, it's not, not a good time. But one night, um, there, he was in the common area. There was kind of a common area in the middle that there were te- a couple TVs, there was a stove, there were chairs and tables and couches and stuff. And he was in there cooking, nobody else around, nobody. And I thought, okay, well, I guess this is my time. And so I went in there and uh, I uh, talked to him about, oh, what are you cooking? And uh, he told me, and then this thought came to mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really good at something. Uh, I am really good at making excuses. And the thought came to my mind, you know something, I think what's going to happen is I'm going to be in the middle of this little booklet and someone else is going to come in, it's going to be really awkward, and then I'm going to miss my chance, you know, kind of blow my cover. And so I didn't do it, and I didn't do it, and I didn't do it. About a month went by, and I was uh, walking outside the dorm, I can remember it yet, uh, opening the door. And to the left was a bench, and this guy, Lewis is his name, was sitting on the bench. And I just happened to see him, and he was reading a little book. Now, there are not many little books, okay? You don't have War and Peace in like a little pocket edition. And so, you know, New Testament, uh, I thought, maybe. So I said, Lewis, and and honestly, I thought, you know, maybe he's already Christian. I kind of got out of this, and, and I said, Lewis... I said, what are you reading? He said, the Bible. I said, oh, great. I said, are you a Christian? He said, I became a Christian two weeks ago. And I was like, man, that's great. That's great. And, and God had prepared his heart, and I missed this wonderful opportunity that I could be part of something beautiful and wonderful in his life, and I just missed it. So I'm sharing that to let you know, man, If you struggle with this, I understand that. I do. Um, The other thing I want to talk about, before we talk about the how, the why, because you know what they say if you have a goal, you need a a why, right? What's your why? Have you ever heard that question? What's your why? Um, I know my parents, growing up, my parents were smokers. And back then, if you watch old movies like Casablanca, it was just you know, normal. Everyone just, you walk, watch that movie, people are smoking all through the movie. But as time went on, people knew that, hey, this is not too good for you and everything. And it became more and more of social pressure. And my parents both quit. I'm so proud of them for doing that. But you know what? They had to have a why. When they started, there was no why to quit. No reason in the world to quit. But as they got older, the reasons mounted up And they were able to quit. So I think we need to talk about the why of this before we talk about the how. And I just want to share a couple of whys uh, that I have. Um, 
One of the whys is, and I guess it's not just a pretty big one, it's a really big one, um, God tells us to, right? It's the first and last command of Jesus. You know, it's kind of bookended in his ministry. His first command, when he called his followers, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Very first command. The last command uh, was in Acts 1 verse 8. And uh, let, me, let me show you that. Make sure you, I'm, on the, I'm on the same page as you guys. You shall be my witnesses. Last and first command. Now, now some people say, well, wait, 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 wait. That was the disciples, okay? They became apostles, remember? I mean, they were the leaders. That was their command. But what about me? I mean, certainly that's not a command for everybody, is it? I mean, that's from the, the, the people that are full-timers, right? Well, listen to what it says. We had Acts 1, the command, be witnesses. And then we come over to Acts 8, and it says, on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. And the, the Greek word for preaching the word is euangelizomai, which, from which we get the word evangelism or evangelizing. Now, who was evangelizing? Well, the people who had been scattered. Who had been scattered? Everyone except the apostles. And we see the same kind of emphasis here in, in uh, Colossians 4, uh, 5 and 6. It says, conduct yourselves. He's talking to um, just the people that are going to be listening to, to the, uh, the letter being read with wisdom toward outsiders, obviously an outsider, and the Greek word is exo, from which we get the word exit, the people outside, outside what? Outside the family of God, the people that didn't know Christ. He says, okay, conduct yourselves in a certain way toward outsiders, making most of the opportunity, and let your speech always be with grace, though as seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And we have this tendency to kind of have this division. I mean, it's just in us, I think, because you see it around the world where you have, well, here's the pastors and the missionaries and uh, the religious professionals, and here are the rest of us. Um, it's like, these are the Avengers, these, this is the Justice, Justice League, the pastors and missionaries, and we're just the regular citizens of the, of the city. Let them do the superhero stuff. That's great, and we'll honor them, and, and, and that's wonderful, but that's not the way the Bible has it. That's not the way Christianity was set up. We all are considered priests. Did you know that? It's called the priesthood of all believers. And listen to this passage in, in 1 Peter. But you, talking about us, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's for all of us. 
And so uh, we see Acts 1, you all, y'all be witnesses. Acts 8, they were. What happened? What was the result of all these people going? They went scattered everywhere. And it says they went everywhere uh, preaching the word. In fact, um, this was a criticism of the early church, by the way, that, that it, the, the religion was being spread not by the normal means, by priests and by teachers and by ministers. It was being spread by everyday people, butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. Just everybody was doing this. And that's crit criticism of the early church was, well, that's not right. You need to have the professionals doing this. So what was the result of that? Well, we see, we go over to Acts 17, and it says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Turn the world upside down by Acts 17. Um, let me ask you a question. Does our world need to be turned upside down or maybe right side up? Well, you know, when I look at this, man, I see a recipe here for uh, changing the world. Um, so uh, we've talked about uh, the why. Now let's talk about the how. And that's really the, the point the, that evangelism is best done with A-S-K, which stands for ask, seek, and knock. And we're going to go through these uh, kind of quickly, but uh, first of all, ask. Ask and you will receive. We see this in Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. So he asked for prayer. I don't think he would have asked for prayer if he didn't think prayer was important. So what should we pray for? Well, of course, we should pray for missionaries. We should, you know, we have a list of them. We should pray for these church plants. We should pray for pastors. We should pray for, and we should pray for people who need Jesus, right? I think it's good to have a list of some people in your life, like I had with Lewis. I pray for this guy. We should have a, a, a list, I think. Um, I, I had on my list praying for my grandmother. You know what? My grandmother was a skeptic. She would barely, I mean, she didn't want to go to church. She sometimes would go. She became a Christian when she was 99 years old. So don't give up on praying for people. But I want to focus on something specific I think we ought to pray for, and that is to pray that our eyes would be open, that we would see, really see the people around us. Look what it says in John 4. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Then he went on to say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How do we view the people around us? I mean, the people down the street, the people at work, the people that we see in the store, the people at school, you know, when I was in the dorm, how would I view those? Do we see them as enemies? Do we see them as a threat? Do we see them as opposed to Christ and all that's good and they're the bad people and, and, and we're, we're the good people and we kind of need to watch out for them? Well, that's not really how Jesus looked at people. Look what it says in Matthew 9. 
seeing the people. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, I want you to take a look at this for just a second. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. You know, that appears about 20 times in the New Testament. He saw the widow of Nain, and then his heart was moved with compassion. He saw, and then came the compassion. And love starts with seeing, and I think really seeing. So we need to see people. Uh, so I would say that we pray to become alert and sensitive to the needs of the people around us. Um, and then the S in the acrostic, ask. The S stands for seek. Seek and you will find. And I love the Bible. It is so practical. Ask and you will receive. But it doesn't stop there. It says seek and you will find. You know, let's say you have a friend, Joe, you know, and Joe says, man, pray for me that I'll get a job. I've just been praying. I need a job. Joe, I'll be praying for you every day that you get a job. You go back a week later. Joe, how's it going? Have you got that job yet? No, I don't. I've been praying. I don't know why God hasn't given me a job. Well, Joe, how many jobs have you applied for? And he's like, huh? No, I'm trusting God. I haven't applied for anything. I mean, well, no, see, seek and you will find. Um, and, and it's interesting if you look at the miracles of Jesus. He involved people. You know, the, the, uh, the miracle at Cana where he turned the water into wine? Well, see, what happened was he said, go fill the water pots. Now, why did he have them do that? Don't you think if he can turn water into wine, he could just say, abracadabra, wine? Or the feeding of the 5,000. Why did he have to take the boys' loaves and fishes? Well, he didn't have to, I don't think. He could have just said, lunch. And everyone has lunch in front of them. Because he could do miracles. But somehow he chooses. And I think it's because he loves us and wants us to know the joy of being involved that boy, can you imagine, as an old man, he said, yeah, I remember when I was a little tyke and I gave Jesus the loaves and fishes right there. He lets us be involved. And so we need to do something. We need to get involved. Um, and uh, here's some things we can do to get involved. One is to connect with people. I mean, talk to people. Know their name. Ask questions. Um, uh, be interested. I heard one of the um, ladies in the back, um, she works with the, with the kids, and I can't recall her name right now, but she was talking to a little girl, and she just was engaging with her and asking her questions about herself and everything. I thought, this is so great. I mean, she's doing such a wonderful job of just being interested in that little girl and talking to her about her life. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to be like her. We need to be involved, connect with people. We need to make an effort to reach out. And let me say, I'm preaching to the choir here myself, don't overthink it. Because I can just overthink things to death, just like I did with Lewis. Don't overthink it. Um, and then get training. You know, if I heard about this preacher that literally this happened. It was in Florida. He's up on stage and he says, 
you know, God is in control. He said, I am going to live as long as God wants me to live. I will not die a second before he wants me to die. And boom, he died right there. I mean, it wasn't like he was kind of dead and they took him to the hospital. I mean, he dead. He was stone dead right there. So I'm always hesitant to use that example. <laughs> but, but, but if that happened, because I'm, you know, I'm getting old, okay? If that happened, I hope some of you know CPR, okay? I had an opportunity to take it one time, and I didn't. And I assure you, because I don't know CPR, if one of you fell out, I would just hope that someone else knew because I wouldn't have the slightest idea. So um, training is so important. And uh, just to give you an example of that, so because I didn't get trained until just before I went into the ministry. They don't train you in seminary. Uh, most of them don't. And um, so... Um, but I had a heart. I thought, you know, I need to be involved in reaching out to people, and I, I didn't know who. And, and there was a, we lived off campus, and there was a little 7-Eleven up the street, and we get gas there and drop there. And there's a guy I kind of felt like I connected with a little bit there that worked there. And, uh, and I, but I never knew what to do, you know, because I thought, I'm praying for him. But I, and so one time I was like, hey, and I can't remember the guy's name right now, but I said, um, here's something for you. And I gave him a track. Okay, there was something, you know, I did something. And uh, then moved, we moved, and it was about 20 miles away from Jackson, Mississippi. It was in seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And then uh, this other church, the, my first church that I was pastor at. And one time I had to go to Jackson for someone was in the hospital or something. And st- when I was starting to come back toward home, I thought about that guy in that 7-Eleven and, you know, that I'd never talked to him. And now I was trained and I thought, well, Lord, I'm going to go there. I mean, it's, it's kind of late at night and I don't know if I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll, he'll even be there. There might be a store full of people that may not have an opportunity. And I didn't know how to broach the subject. Like, I didn't know, like, uh, hey, I'm just here today. Are you going to heaven? You know, I mean, I didn't know. How do you do that? So I, I went in the store and sure enough, he was there and nobody was in the store. And see, I didn't know what to do, but I, I had this little thing that I used as a pastor, as a little questionnaire, and, and I said, yeah, I probably lied a little bit, but I said, hey, could you help me out with this questionnaire? He said, sure. Okay, first question, name, you know, and then it's like, do you go to church? You know, and he said, no. And I said, do you know, for, I was just looking down, reading it, because I was kind of nervous, and I said, do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven, or is that something you're still working on? He'd say, well, still working on it. I said, okay. Uh, if you were to ask God, why should he let you into heaven, what would you say? And he said, I try to live a good life. I try to be nice to people. I'm like, okay, well, um, thank you. <laughs> and then I, th- I kind of thought about just saying, got to go now, you know. But I said, look, um, I have some really good news for you that you can know that you're going to heaven. Uh, would I be able to share it with you? And he said, yeah. And he locked the door of the 7-Eleven. And we sat in the back and he prayed to receive Christ. And followed up with him. I gave him a little Gospel of John, followed up with him later. And I said, oh, you know, hey, did you finish that? Yeah, I'm starting in Genesis. I said, well, why don't you start in the New Testament? He said, nope, I want to read the Bible through. He, he got involved in his Baptist church there. But I tell this for two reasons. Number one is, 
I didn't really know what to do until I got trained. And, and, and number two, you know, what a boneheaded thing to come with a little survey, but God used that. It was my little loaves and fishes. It was what I knew to do. And uh, God doesn't need us, right? He doesn't need us, but He lets us be involved. And uh, He let me be involved in that. So A, ask. Pray that our eyes would be open, that we would see the needs of people. S, seek. Do something. You know, get off dead center. It's great to pray, but Jesus didn't stop there, did he? He said, seek. And then he ends with knock. Knock and it will be open to you. And the, the Greek word there, it knock, means keep knocking. Keep knocking. It says in Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And so I want to give you a little bit of encouragement to not grow weary, to not give up, because it is, it can be hard sometimes. First of all, God can use anybody. He can use anybody. Um, my, my friend Bob Hammer used to say, God doesn't, he said, Jim, God doesn't need your ability. He needs your, he wants your availability. And that's really the best, someone said that's the best ability is availability. Are we available that uh, God could use us? And just to give you an example, uh, another ministry that's on campuses and in the military is called Navigator. Some of you may have heard of it. It was founded by a guy named Dawson Trotman. And they're very interested in reaching people for Jesus and they're very interested in teaching Bible uh, memory, scripture memory. And Dawson Trotman used to have people come to his house, and uh, he had five children. He would have them come, and the children would quote the scriptures that they were learning for the week, and he was just trying to connect with more people and, and help to bring them to Christ. And this one guy he worked on, worked on, worked on, and it just nothing ever happened, nothing ever worked. But Dawson didn't give up, and so he invited him to his house. And as they're getting ready to have dinner, the kids are recording the Bible verse. And the littlest one, I think she was three, Sally or whatever her name was, she quoted John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that night, that tough soldier, I think it was, came to know Christ uh, and he said, it was something about the way your daughter said, whosoever, that got me. See, God used a little three-year-old. God can use me and you. And then God has prepared people's hearts. Remember Lewis on the bench? God had prepared his hearts. You know there's prepared hearts all over? St. Augustine, Jacksonville, whatever. Prepared hearts all over. And God loves us, and he wants us to have the opportunity to be part of that, that beautiful plan in people's lives. Wouldn't it be exciting? And there's, there's so much joy with it, just doing it. Here's what some person said that was involved in regular outreach. They said, when I go to share the gospel, I find that God's presence is more real to me than at any other time. And, you know, you, and it's such an adventure. You never know what God's going to do. I know in one church um, I was pastoring, you know, and early on, um, one of the older ladies in the church um, said to me, if you could invite my daughter, Tammy, Tammy's a member, she's on the church rolls, but she never comes to church. She has two young children, 
when she's married to Wayne. And so I went to see Tammy and I said, um, hey, Tammy, would love to have you. And she said, uh, well, Tammy was really plain smoking. Plain, well, plain spoken. And, um, and she said, well, look, Wayne's not going to come. <laughs> so I'm not going to come if Wayne doesn't come. If you can get Wayne to come, I'll go. And Wayne was a super quiet guy. And uh, so I would go there, and I'd try to connect with Wayne and everything. And I'd say, love to invite you to church. And Wayne just wouldn't say anything. So one time, I uh, went to the grocery store. Uh, and on the way in, I saw Wayne coming out, and Wayne was carrying a couple bags of groceries. And I said, oh, hey, Wayne. And we talked and stuff, and, and then and he was just letting me talk with him. And I said, so I was talking, and I started talking about church background. Wayne, did you um, grow up in the church? What about you? And told a little about myself, gave my testimony. I'm like, Lord, if he'll let me keep talking, I'm not going to stop. And so I said, well, Wayne, could I ask you a question? He said, yeah. Do you know for sure if you were to die right now that you would go to heaven? Do you have eternal life? And he said, I don't know. I hope so. Well, uh, then he said, well, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can. And I said, Wayne, I have some really good news for you. That you can know for sure that you have eternal life. And, and it's not about you, you working. Could I share that with you? He said, yeah, but could we go to my truck? These bags are heavy. <laughs> so we went out to his truck, and, and he prayed to receive Christ. And he started coming to church, he and Tammy and the kids. And then a few weeks later, I mean, not much longer at all, another couple came. And this, was, this guy was friends with Wayne when they were in fifth grade. And Wayne ran into him, invited them to church. They became believers. And then eventually, uh, Tammy's brother and his wife became believers as well. And so I just tell that, it was like I was astounded by what God could do. Never dreamed. And uh, people say, oh, well, that's amazing that you could do that. Well, obviously, I didn't do anything. But secondly, it's just such a, such a joy. Uh, you don't want to miss it. You know, people don't want to miss a ride at Six Flags. I don't, honestly don't like those rides. But um, this is a joy that doesn't scare the heck out of you, okay? It's really a nice joy, and it's wonderful. Um, so it says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. Those who go to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So uh, the action step, let me just review it again. A-S-K, A, ask, pray to be alert and sensitive. S, Seek, do something, don't overthink it, and knock. Keep knocking, keep trying. Uh, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you the question that I asked uh, Wayne? Do you know for sure? I know for myself, I was a member of a church. I was baptized and everything. But when it came down to it, and I had a dream really about the second coming one time, and I was running away, running away, running away. And I was scared to death to die um, because I didn't know. Um, but I found out that the Bible says I can know these things have been written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so if you don't know, you can know. And let me tell you how. 
It's like what I told Wayne. You know, I'm trying to do the best I can, and I had to tell him kind of some bad news, but it's actually good news. But the bad news is, look, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it. But by the way, I'm never going to be good enough, and nobody, Billy Graham is not going to be good enough. Because the Bible says all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it also tells us the wages of sin is death. That's kind of bad news. But we need to know that because without that, the good news of the gospel doesn't make any sense. And the good news is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you ever notice they call it a gift all the time in the Bible? It's a gift because it's free. It's like Christmas. You don't say... You know, when you get a gift for Christmas, you don't say, pull out your wallet. Well, how much do I owe you for that? It's, it would be an insult to that person. God has paved the way. Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the grave, but he paid for our sins, paid in full. And he offers us the very gift of eternal life. It's like this. Most people think the way to heaven is the way of the stairs. Live a good life. Be a good person. Do the best you can. But the problem is that ladder to heaven is 10 million miles high. And none of us are going to be strong enough or good enough to climb it. We have to be humble enough to get off the stairs of effort and get into the elevator of Jesus Christ. The elevator just takes you up without any steps at all. But he takes you up. And he changes you and makes you the kind of person you want to be. So let's, let's have a word of prayer as we close. Father, thank you so much for the fact that there's this good news out there. I mean, it is it's better than a cure to cancer. It is, it is the best thing, the best possible news we could ever know. And that... I thank you for knowing it and it changing my life. Not perfect, but you're changing me and giving me more love and joy and peace. And thank you that you can do that in anyone's life. And so if this is what you want, if you, if you want to put your trust in Christ today, I, I'm going to pray a little prayer. You can pray after me silently from your heart to God's heart. Dear Lord, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I do not deserve heaven. But I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me and rose for me. And I ask him to be my savior and Lord, my leader and forgiver. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And thank you. Lord, thank you for any of those that have prayed that prayer. And I pray that you would guide them to the important step of sharing that with someone who would encourage them and help them and help them grow in this wonderful adventure called the Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen.